0: Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. This message by Sharon Baker is titled, Faith for the Impossible. Don't miss our next conference, Moving Forward and Stepping In, with Dr. Sharon Stone and Kent Mattox. Register online today, at revivalfires.org.uk. It's a real honour and privilege to speak to you today. And uh, I really count it as um, a special day to be able to minister to you And I want to share my heart with you today about promises that were made in the Scriptures to someone who was called the mother of nations. She received a promise when she was a million miles away from the possibility of ever seeing it fulfilled it was repeated over and over and over to her mother of nations yeah. but there was no sign of no no glimpse even that this could happen, what God had, had promised to her—you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Sarah, and just like the last few weeks, we've been walking the journey with Abraham and seeing how he was on his own journey of faith before he was called the father of faith, the father of the faithful, the ones who, uh, the the father who we all can say we're part of his family. But I want to share with you my heart this morning and some some revelation that the Lord's brought to me about this woman in the Scripture who's called the Mother of Nations. You know, we all have promises. This is what we put out this week. We all have promises from God's Word and prophecies about our destiny that we have yet to see realised. How can we move in faith For what seems impossible right now, how can we move forward with God? I want to help you move past the questions and the attachments to disappointments in the past and reaffirm to you that nothing is truly impossible. Nothing is impossible with our God. In Hebrews 11, 11 The writer to the Hebrews says these words, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age of childbearing, because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Let's just look at that, this is a New Testament summary of the woman whose life was impossible, whose promise was too far away to even see, let alone pull in. But this is how the New Testament describes it. By faith it starts off, not just hope, not striving between gritted teeth, and certainly not passivity. But Sarah, her name means princess, Let me just tell you this morning and reassure you, each one of you is an heir of the king. Each one of you has inheritance, has royalty over you, has promise, has future. Not one of you is exempt or excluded or missed out. Each one of you is a prince, a princess, part of a royal household. She received power, it says, In order, she received strength to fulfill the promise, to conceive, to bring about the new, to step into the brand new, the future, even though she was past the age. And if you ever thought, well, God, that's a wonderful spiritual sentence, a wonderful spiritual word, but physically, naturally, there is no connection with what seems to be coming out of heaven and my life. It says she was past the age. She was too old. Some of you might think, I'm too young. Some of you might think all sorts of things, but except for God, it can't happen. She was past the age, and yet what did she do? She considered. If we consider our God... The impossible can change and can become the possible. She considered, she let God invade her thoughts. She let God renew her mind. She imagined the impossible. And she considered not herself, not her weakness, but she considered the promise giver to be even greater than the promise that that she was receiving, greater than her trust or even ability in her own self. And I love the fact that the New Testament just pours grace over Sarah and says it, as if it happened in the twinkling of an eye just like it talks about Abraham it says in uh, Romans uh, Abraham he didn't waver uh, in his faith it's got a few chapters about him in Romans he's also mentioned in Hebrews 11 it says he didn't stagger at the promise of God I'm thinking who's writing this? didn't they read Genesis? you know he staggered all the time he was always tripping up like God how can this happen? you must have got the wrong person have you heard anybody else say this you must have got the wrong time you must have got the wrong place Abraham didn't stagger and it sounds like Sarah just said oh okay wonderful promise I'll take that here we go here's Isaac And you know, you know the story, such a well-known story. It was absolutely not like that whatsoever. Let's just take a look at Sarah and go over some of the chapters that we've been looking at these last few weeks about Abraham, about when Abraham separated from Lot um, and the Lord gave him so much more than he could ever have imagined. Um, When uh, Abraham... uh, To the point of covenant with the Lord, we're going to just review all of those things. But let's start off in Genesis 11 and 12 and just find out a little bit about Sarah. Let's discover what she's like. Well, we just get a few glimpses of her in the scriptures, and we know that she was very beautiful. That's nice to know, isn't it? She's a beautiful woman, so beautiful that that became a problem, even um, a fear for Abraham. Her outward appearance was that she was lovely to look at. It's, it says it also says that we also know that she had great wealth, so she lacked nothing. Abraham, you know, he hadn't got enough room for all the livestock, for all for all his possessions. Um, she was married. She was part of a loving family as far as we can see. God spoke and they moved. So it seems like they were in communication with God. Um, She had servants and and helpers to look after the house and the, the land. So it seems like she was totally so well provided for. That's what it looked like at least on the outside. But on the inside... She was carrying this, this huge flaw you could say, this weakness, this inability. You know what what I'm going to say. She was barren. She was childless. And virtually in the first verse that we read about her, that's how she's described. So on the outside, everything's great. And yet she's carrying this sadness, this inability. And it seems as if what it look, what you see on the outside is not what's going on on the inside. It's as if she's got this inner and this outer self. She's got this value of family and of, of um, inheritance and passing on all that she's got onto the next generation. And her value is is not able to translate into her actions. It's as if she's thinking one thing, but acting out another. You know, you, you go through Genesis chapter 12 there, and her value, it would seem, is family, is marriage, is love for her husband, is being part of this extended family. And yet what happens? She's given to Pharaoh, leaves her husband, For for a long story, which all I can say is it must be cultural and must be something to do with what's going on in Abraham and in his past, so she moves out and the value that she's got for family is totally acted in another way when she leaves Abraham's household and goes to Pharaoh. And you know the story there, she's in Pharaoh's palace, she moves out, so Her actions are against what she believes. You know, that's where confusion and sadness really comes in. It's as if we're prevented from living the life that we know God has called us to live. It may be imposed on us by others, some restriction, some obstacle in the way, some cultural or family tradition that's put on us that seems to hem us in and we can't be ourselves we can't be true to what we value and what we believe and it could have been even that um, it would seem in this family situation Abraham was trying to rescue himself It seems as if she believes God, that's her That's her value, that's her belief. And yet, we know as we go through the later chapters after here, that instead of her belief being in God, instead of her faith being 100% in God's word, she ends up making her own plans, trying to get her own destiny because she can't wait for God to turn up for her. You know I want to encourage you today if there is some sort of imbalance if there is some sort of disagreement in you just like in Sarah where she believed one thing but she she somehow wasn't free to fulfill and live out of her beliefs then the Lord wants to come and minister to you today just like I'm going to share with you in the life of Sarah so that our faith and our actions become one. Otherwise, you know what happened? There was a 25 year gap, incredibility gap almost, where she was waiting for the promise, but going through some really difficult times as she tr- learned to trust God for things that she couldn't make happen herself. For things that, you know, she couldn't move the hand of God, as it were. She couldn't um, make, she couldn't twist his arm up his back. But all she wanted was to enter the promise of God and didn't know how to do that. Circumstances and events might not have been Sarah's design or even her fault, but they affected her. In fact, they infected her. They shaped Sarah's life and Sarah's response and Sarah's future. Do you remember just 12 months ago, we were deep uh, in study about the prayer of Jabez. Do you remember that prayer? Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my borders, that your hand would be with me and that I would not be shaped by my pain. And we know only too clearly that some of Sarah's life was shaped by her pain, this inner reality which was her weakness, her flaw, her barrenness, that she couldn't receive, she couldn't live out the promise of God in her life. We looked at Abraham and Lot and what happened there. And you remember last week we looked at Abraham building his altar. You know, every time it seemed that the Lord appeared to Abraham, he would reiterate his promise to him. You will be the father of many nations. I'll give you a, a nation. You'll have many descendants. Look at the sky. Look how many stars you can see. As I was researching for this, it says, if you, if you look in the sky in the night in, in uh, where he was, you will see at least 8,000 stars. And there's Abraham and Isaac thinking, 8,000? Come on, we haven't even got one son. What sort of a God is this? Is he teasing us? Is, it, is he telling us the impossible? Listen, God's word is God's word. It's never a tease. It may certainly be a test, and we'll go through a trial, but God's word stands firm God's word is true. God's word will come about whatever our situation, whatever our circumstances, whatever our flaws, our weaknesses, our inability to obtain it ourselves, God's word will stand sure. And um, the Lord repeats to Abraham, I I gave up count at 10 times this is my promise to you. You will have an heir. You will have a future. You will you will have a son. You know God's um, promise always includes increase. It always includes fruitfulness. It always includes fullness. There is um, always more in God's promise. It will always incru- include governing. Do you remember the promise in, Genesis cha- in the early chapters of Genesis? Fruitfulness, increase, governing and fullness. And it seems like at the moment, Sarah certainly has got none of these in her life. How do we know when we receive God's promise, if it seems so impossible, so against our present situation? How do we know the difference between the impossible that could be made possible with God and the ridiculous, which is our own personal fantasy? I mean, so many people say to me, I I think I've heard from God, but I'm just not sure. Some people say, I've heard from God, and I'm thinking, I'm not sure. Listen, we need to know what it is to hear from God so that we can act on His Word, so that we can put faith in His Word. I've just got a small ad here. This is one of my favourite teachings on hearing God and it's in the bookstore. If you've never read Mark and Patty Verkler on hearing God, this is the best I know. It's just really good. It's got four steps, basically four steps about hearing God and how to check if it really is God. Accountability, confirming it with scripture, walking it through, all those sort of things. That is such a help about how to hear from God. But let me just... Um, let you know some of the things that happened with Abraham and Sarah. How did they know that it wasn't just some ridiculous idea they cooked up themselves? First of all, it's confirmed. If you're going to hear from God, you'll know it's Him because it's confirmed again and again and again. You won't be able to get away with it. This is not just a passing, fleeting phrase, this is God's word. How do we know we've got God's promise? It will be supported by God's word and his signs to us. I mean, later on, you'll find that um, Abraham has visions, he has dreams, he has angelic um, uh, visitors, he has fire come down from heaven. I mean, what, what more do you need? This, this is God. And, and Sarah is observing all of this. How else do we know it's God? It aligns God's word, God's promise, a word of destiny, aligns with what we love. I remember when I left work and went to Bible college, I read a book called Reluctant Missionary because that's what I felt I was. I thought, I'm going to a a missionary training Bible college and the last thing on earth I want to be is a missionary. Because just, and, and I kept hold of that verse in Matthew 10:10 10, 10, which says and Jesus was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm thinking, yeah, I'll be sent to the lost sheep of England. That that will do me fine. But the reason I I didn't want to go the reason was because in my heart at that time I had not been healed enough to think that it was safe to leave England. You know, I I had so many fears, so many Um, extraordinary thoughts that just to do with my background and the way i have been brought up. And I thought, oh no, you need to stay at home the rest of your life. This is where I was born. This is where I'll stay. This is, God, please just let me be part of a church here. And the Lord had to do work in my life. But I know now that his word to me on many occasions ticks that box in my heart because it aligns with what I love. It's not what I hate So at 18, when I went off to Bible college, or 19, however old I was, I wasn't called to be a missionary then. It wasn't what I need, what I loved then. But God did a work on my heart and within 10 years, I'd already visited several countries. And so I know that when God speaks to you, it will be what you love. It will be your passion. He will speak to what you've got a seed of gifting for and he will increase it. He will speak to what... The, to the anointing that he's putting on your life. And how do we know it's God's promise? Because it will give answers to our questions. We will become the solution to the problems that irritate us, okay? So when you see something that you want straightened out, it's not because you need to go and tell somebody else to do it, it's probably because God's appointing you to do it. Um, That's just some good guidelines. How do I know if I'm hearing hearing God? Okay, now, this is the um, brunt of what I want to say to you. In Genesis chapter 16, so Sarah's on the scene, and um, after The Lord has appeared in such supernatural ways in chapter 15. He's, uh, Abram's had the covenant confirmed. Just amazing things have happened. This fire falls down from heaven. I mean, I used to say to myself, who needs the supernatural? You've probably heard me say this. Who needs the supernatural? Don't we just need to walk with God? Let me tell you. God is supernatural. We need him. We need all the help we can get. We need heaven's help. We need angels to visit us. I need scriptures to be lit up on my page as the Holy Spirit shines his light. Just be open to the supernatural workings of God. And Sarah watched as Abraham had visions He had a dream. God spoke to him when he was asleep. He heard the audible voice of God. I just love this. He had conversations with God. Do you have conversations with God? Do you have them in your journal? Do you have them as you're um, driving your car? Do you have them in your prayer time? Abraham, he was called the friend of God. Oh, what what a title. Wouldn't you love to be called the friend of God? And he embraced all of this. He had had prophecy, he received prophecy in his conversation with the Lord for hundreds, thousands of years to come. I mean, that's some prophetic word. This is something to take hold of. This fire, this outrageous promise of inheritance. And then in chapter 16, Sarah has just about had enough of it. I don't want any more dreams, she says. I don't want any more outrageous words. I don't want to see fire fall from heaven. I just want a sun. All I want is the fulfillment of the promise. And I am helpless to do anything about it. Powerless to do anything about it, to make it happen. But as time has passed, Sarah has a cunning plan. It's common sense that she comes up with. It's not faith in the promise. She's thinking to herself, okay, I can't believe the supernatural, so I'll have a go in the natural. And it's natural strength and wisdom Worldly wisdom over supernatural intervention and godly wisdom. It's a battle, like we all know, between the flesh and the spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2, it says, The natural person does not accept the things of God, the spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But the spiritual person judges all things. But it's himself judge by no one, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Sarah didn't have the mind of Christ at this point. All she has is this drive to see God's purpose fulfilled by giving him a helping hand. So I know if I can make Hagar a surrogate mother for our family, it's going to solve every problem. God's promise, well, that'll take less than a year. I've sorted it. All this waiting, I just cannot be doing with any longer. And I can, I can have the son or the, the child and this will be a fulfilment of God's promise. I've found another way. I've found another road. This will be the route that I'm going to go down. This will solve the problem. So with human reason, she tries to fulfil the promise herself because God doesn't seem to be doing it. In fact, she even says, the Lord stopped me from having children, so I'm going to fix this myself. And there may be a promise, there may be a word, there may be something in your family, there may be something in your employment, there may be something in your relationship with your spouse, there may be a promise of a spouse, there may be a promise of children. And you're thinking to yourself, God, you're not coming through on this. And she even says, the Lord has kept me from having children. You know, that may be true, but it didn't require Sarah to fix it herself. So you may look around at the facts of your situation, but the truth is something different. God's word still stood for Sarah, there was still go, she was still going to become the mother of nations. When we see the delay, we need to ask God how to deal with it. This isn't happening, God. What, should, what do I do? Allow him to come right in to keep our attitude Looking to him to keep us in our actions to follow our faith and not to react to the disappointment. So Hagar becomes pregnant, you know, the story um, after Sarah's suggestion. And Hagar becomes pregnant, and you know what it's like as a uh, when you see new mums. And you think, oh, there's some, they're blossoming. That's often what is said about them. And Sarah could see that Hagar was blossoming, blooming. And it felt like a knife in her own heart. Oh, she thought this would be the answer. And this is the, the worst thing that she could have imagined. She's so hurt, and we know what hurt people do, they hurt people in response, and she treated Hagar so badly, she separated her from her own family. She said, you can't stay here any longer because I feel humiliated with the fact that you are now pregnant, that you have got a promise that I I couldn't receive. And what does Sarah go through? She goes through this shame, um, this shame and control. I I can't have a child, so I'm gonna control those around me. I, I can't have you here. The comparison is too stark, too sharp. I cannot cope with your joy because of my own sorrow. And then she blames Abram, it was her suggestion. But, you know, blame is wonderful. If we blame somebody else, we don't have to deal with our own response to it. So It's your, it's your fault, Abram, you shouldn't have done it. And I think Abram's saying, I'm sorry, you, you suggested I, I did this. Very complicated. But Sarah is just a ball of hurt right here. And she is just horrible to Hagar. She's got the promise, and I haven't. She's going to have the inheritance, and I don't. She's got what I want, and I can't even look at it. I can't even be close to it. God is pulling his promise down for you this morning. And he's dealing with the heart that's had to cope with shame, that's had to cope with blame, that's had to cope with lack. You know, when we blame one another, often the one closest to us, like Sarah did, Abraham, it's a cover-up, it's a defence for not dealing with our own actions and reactions. Let me encourage you, when God withholds Don't help him out and try and fill the gaps yourself. It will get worse. Anybody been there? Anybody tried to to do what we thought God should have done, so we just give him a helping hand? And when God is waiting, don't rush in. But the tables turn around because we know that Hagar had to leave. And yet when she had an encounter with the Lord there in the desert, the Lord said to her, I want you to go back. And we don't know exactly what happened over those few years. But I would like to read into the story that Sarah's heart was being changed. She had to face her worst nightmare. She had to face her lack Her inability, her powerlessness, her sorrow, her disappointment. Every day she had to learn how to face up with the reality and how to depend again on the Lord. How to walk by faith and not by sight. You know, Paul talks to us about this, this in Ephesians in Philippians chapter three. And he says, we glory in Christ Jesus and we put no confidence in the flesh. That's what Sarah had been doing. That's what we do when we try and make things happen. When we try and push a door that should be closed or when we try and close a door that the Lord's trying to make open make open for us. We were doing this only this morning. If the Lord's opening a door, step through it. If the Lord's closing a door, let him close it. But let's not try and move his hand just to suit our situation, to suit our time scale. Put no confidence in the flesh, Paul says. And then he goes on to say, to give his qualifications, because he had every confidence. He he could have had every confidence in the flesh. But then he goes on to say in another place, we walk by faith and not by sight. You know, what what is Sarah's real problem here? Unbelief in God and dependence on herself. Disappointment in God. Ever been disappointed? Impatience with God. Hurry up, God. How many more years can we wait? A hu- the human mindset that cannot understand the things of God. You know, God doesn't need your help to fulfill his word. He needs your heart so that he can work through you. He needs you to hear him. He needs you to obey him, to wait on him, to act on his word, to walk by faith and not by sight. Walking by sight brought an Ishmael. Walking by faith was waiting on God's promise, waiting in a timescale that was not Sarah's timescale. And there in chapter 17, the promise comes afresh. You'll be the mother of God of nations. And God breathes into their names, into them as people. God is breathing on you this morning. He's breathing his life into that word, that promise, which feels like it's died, which feels like it's too far away, which feels like it's impossible for you. In fact, you've even questioned and said, I got it wrong. But God is breathing the life of his spirit upon his word for you afresh this morning so that we can live by the spirit rather than the flesh. God confirms even to Sarah that she's going to have a son. And we know what happens in carrying on through this story. Three visitors Come to Abraham. You know, years have gone by—twenty odd years have gone by since the promise. Too long, we think. God, don't don't let me wait twenty odd years. There are some promises in my life which I've waited forty or fifty years for. There are some things that have happened in a year. But I know that if I give God my heart, not my help, I'll be aligned to His time and I won't frustrate His plans by aligning with my own human reason and worldly wisdom. But I want to be on God's calendar, do you? I want God's Word, I want to be on His timeline, I want to be in agreement with Him. And the Lord appears Mamre and three visitors come to Abraham's tent and uh, Abraham recognizes them he's resting at the uh, door the the entrance of his tent and uh, he he welcomes the the angelic visitors We need heaven's help. We need heaven to break in so that we can receive the promise. The promise which isn't only affecting affecting our lives, but a promise, a destiny, a future, which will affect our families and all of those around us. You know, Sarah could have just thought, well, it's just me in my little circle and what's happening to me. And you could feel the same, But whatever God is doing in your life, whatever walk of faith you are on will have effect, a ripple effect for all of those around you. That's why it's so important. We were praying this morning, pulling the word of promise down that we might enter into it if we throw away our words of promise we're not the only ones who are the lesser for it. But all those who could be blessed through us would lose out too. And as Sarah um, is watching as these three angels come, I just love this part. Sarah is he's just observing what's going on. And uh, Abram says to the angels, he says, What welcome, what can I get for you? And he wants to give them something to refresh them, he wants to give them some water, he wants to make them some food, and so uh, I just love this part. Abram calls to Sarah and says, Sarah, I want you to make some bread. Now she's in her 90s, and uh, I want you to make bread, Sarah, no bread making machines at this time in the world and he says to Sarah, I I want you to measure out 16 kilograms of flour. That's 16 bags of flour. Okay, so and hurry up and make this. Now we know that in those days they had unleavened bread and leavened bread because by the time they got to Exodus they were told not to use the yeast, so we knew it was there. So I don't know whatever sort of bread she was making, but 16 kilograms makes 32 loaves of bread. And Abraham says, get a move on, just hurry up and make this bread. So there she is making bread and the servant comes along and he says, I want you to get a young tender calf, I want you to hurry up. Hurry up, Abram says, 25 years they've been waiting and all he can say is hurry up and make the dinner. You know, Hurry up and get this tender calf, I want you to prepare it and it tells you how they prepare it and then you can just, oh, this week we've had a few barbecues, brides as we call them in our African affected household. And so there's this tender calf. I don't know if they did it on a spit. I don't know if the servant was a butcher and cut it up and they had T-bone, young, very good, not aged for 21 days. This was a beautiful young calf they were cooking. And the angels, who must have waited a long time for the bread and the meat and the barbecue to be ready, enjoy it, and at the end of it, they say to um, Abram, that was a delicious barbecue you did. The meat was just rare like I like it. And Abram says, I know I make a good barbecue, don't I? Does this ring true in anybody's household here? Listen, when they finish the meal, they're talking, they're in conversation. And the angels say, where is Sarah? Sarah's sitting down here. I've just made 32 loaves of bread. Where do you think I am? I'm sat down in the tent having a cup of tea. And out comes, well, in fact, Sarah doesn't come out. She's listening at the entrance of the tent. I love this. She hasn't run away. She hasn't given up. She's been waiting for 25 years. She's just made 32 loaves of bread. She's, she's in her 90s. She's not a young spring chicken anymore. But she's not throwing her toys out the pram. She's not throwing the servants out. She's not moving in with this rich pharaoh whose palace she stayed in for a very short time. She seems to have reached a place of rest. And she's sitting in her tent. Listening to the angels talk to her husband. Can you see her? She's allowed God to circumcise her heart, to cut away the flesh, just like what happened to Abraham and all his son, all his family and servants a few chapters ago. She's not given up. And she's there when the promise is repeated. This time it's not just to Abraham. Sarah is there, right there, close up, nearby. She's not at a distance. She's right there listening. At this time next year, and her ears prick up. And as she hears it, she laughs to herself. I've often wondered, and sometimes people have said it's a mocking laugh. And, you know, it may have been some sort of a mocking laugh. But I think she was laughing at the possibility, at imagining the impossible. It says she laughed to herself she didn't come out laughing at the word or laughing at the angels or laughing at abraham she laughed to herself as she thought after i am worn out and my lord is old shall i have pleasure and the lord said to abraham why did sarah laugh and say shall i indeed bear a child now that i am old is anything too hard for the Lord. I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah laughs to herself. I, I can just see her thinking these amazing thoughts. God, do you know what that means if I'm going to have a son? Do you know, I'm, I just feel as if I'm past the age of childbearing. This would truly be impossible now. It may have been impossible 25 years ago, but now it's seriously impossible. Proverbs 31 says about the virtuous woman, she laughs at the future. She laughs at things to come. Is anything too hard for the Lord. You know, Abraham had laughed before then and said, I I just can't believe it. An incredible laugh. Never give up on God's promise. Wait in faith and act in faith. Let the faith word that's come to you translate into your actions we don't have to make it happen ourselves. We don't have to push it. We don't have to rush it. We just have to wait for God's time and the minute he says it's now, then we act in faith. James 2:17 says, "Faith without action, without works is dead." Sarah had to act we know what she had to do she could no longer be passive she could no longer delay what she did had to come in line with God's word Galatians 5 6 says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love well that night or maybe it was that afternoon or the next day Sarah expressed her faith through love in a very practical way. And the rest is history. Nine months later, Isaac is born. The promise, which seemed to be impossible, is actually being held in Sarah's arms. She is now becoming the mother of nations. What about your promise? What has God said to you? It may be children, but please don't limit it to children. It may be a spouse. It may be family relationships restored. It may be legacy. It may be inheritance that has been locked up and not released to you. It, it may be that seeing that increase from generation to generation. But your dream, your vision your future, your destiny, your promise is always linked, always linked to the promise back in Genesis. Promise of fruitfulness, promise of increase, promise of governing and promise of fullness. There's always inheritance for you. Not one of you will be inheritance-less. There's inheritance for everyone. There's promise to be fulfilled for everyone. So what's God said about it as I come to a close this morning? What's God said about your future, about your word, your promise? Have you written it down? Are you praying it through? Are you living it out, stepping it out, waiting on God, hearing him, acting in faith? What's the enemy said about it? Well, we've heard a lot about what the enemy said to Sarah and human reason and worldly wisdom. Who are you listening to? This morning is going to be a morning of crossover where we no longer listen to the enemy, to the doubts, to the impossibilities that he would put before us, to the alternatives, the human alternatives that he would want us to follow. What have you postponed? What have you postponed that you need to act on? Repent, move forward, get on to God's catch-up. Who has delayed you? What has delayed you? There will be, perhaps for some of you, some forgiveness that needs to be released. I can imagine Sarah needing to forgive Abraham and come to a place of peace again so that she could move forward in faith. Forgive and bless, let go, unhook yourself and go on. What action can you take? How should you pray? How should you war with your promise? How can you be relentless in seeing God's purpose come about in your life? How should you prioritise your, your time, your energy, your relationships, your study, your reading, your prayer, My prayer for you this morning is that each one of you will take hold with a fresh grip this morning the promise that God has for you, the word of destiny that could have felt like it was empty, it was void, it was powerless and helpless until now because I believe heaven is here this morning to help you cross over into increase, into governing, into fruitfulness, into the more of what God has for you. I just want you to know what it is to move into from barrenness to fruitfulness, from lack to increase, from powerlessness and helplessness, into having what God's given you to govern and from emptiness into fullness. If that's you this morning, if you're on that journey with me, that journey of faith and actions that reflect our faith, of crossing over from the unbelief into belief, into faith again, However small that word may seem, however huge and daunting that promise is, whatever questions, whatever doubts you've had, I'm here to tell you today, would you consider the one who is faithful? Because he's the only one with your agreement, with your yes, that can deliver that promise into your hands, into your hearts. If that's you, if you want to step into promise this morning, step into faith afresh, would you stand to your feet? Because I want to pray for you. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm aware that while we're all standing, there may be people here this morning who have never taken that first step of faith, who've never come to know what it is to have life and promise and fulfilment in any area of their life that comes from the Lord Jesus. Maybe that you don't know him in your life. And I want to just take a moment before I pray for everyone To say, if that's you, if you would like today to start your journey of faith and to reach out to the Lord Jesus, to reach out to God our Father in heaven who wants to connect with you, then why don't you just indicate to me by putting up your hand and say, yes, I want to start my journey of faith today. I don't know everyone here today and I don't want to presume that you are all already on that journey that walk and if that's you just lift up your hand because I'd like to pray for you I'd like to give you some information at the end that you can take away and come to know the Lord Jesus better and for those of you that are standing I just want to release a prayer over you Father I thank you for every person here standing in your presence waiting to receive your promise. And today I decree a crossover day. Crossover from barrenness to fruitfulness. Crossover from lack to increase. Crossover from feeling powerless and helpless into knowing what it is to govern the assignment that you release to us, the promise that you release, to cross over from emptiness into fullness. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And Lord, I release faith afresh on every heart. I release ears to hear you more clearly and feet to run in your purposes in the name of Jesus. Amen. I just believe that this may be a morning where you want to do business with God and you may just want to come and kneel at the front as you offer him afresh your faith. As you say, Lord, here I am. I'm stepping a new step of faith. This has been my crossover morning. I'm stepping out, stepping forward with you, no longer attached to the past. And you may just want to come and kneel at the front. The ministry team's not going to be praying and prophesying. They will just bless you this morning in your encounter with God. And if that's you, then do feel free to do that. We want to see you blessed. We want to see you moving in your journey of faith with God this week. Seeing the impossible come into the possible.